1: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. in real trouble here, although they're lucky to get that loose ball. Gibbs with the thrust. Robert Jones, nicely out to Emir Lewis. Emir Lewis is checking up goes Yayan Evans. Yayan
0: Evans is away. Can the Welsh captain make it? He's going to do it. And it's a try for Wales. And the Welsh captain has scored his eighth and his 37th time. right welcome to another edition of the attacking scrum podcast uh we've had some rugby back this week which is always helpful when you're doing a rugby podcast we've also had wayne Pivak name his squad for the upcoming or what we believe to be the upcoming six nations which is good we've had some fantastic listeners questions and we've got a uh, a return for two i don't think we've ever done two weeks on the spin or not for a good time murph but good to have you back on the show how are you Good mate, yeah. You okay? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Not too bad. Yeah, we've had some great feedback from last week. People enjoying uh, enjoying having the Murph back on the show. So yeah, my um, I think, I think they come for the uh, the just where I get everyone's name wrong. Like, I think uh, that's it. I think there's oh we need God. to start printing the old bingo cards. <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> yeah, for, for Murph calling people, Ali Price and who did we have? Did we have George Earl playing for uh, playing for Saracens awesome. last week or something great like
1: open that? Side. Great open side. Never, never as good as Jack Willis, by the way, but still,
0: <laughs> Jack uh, Jack Wills, as I like to call it. Just while we're getting oh, names oh, wrong,
1: that's like <laughs> that's a shop, isn't it, Jack Willis?
0: It is, yeah. No, oh. no, hang on, it's the other way around. It Jack yeah. Jack Wills <laughs> is the shop, and Jack Willis is the open side flanker. But there we go. Right, uh, well, I've I've just uh, finished watching the Ospreys um, the Ospreys Connath game, which we were saying off air is uh, it was you didn't see it, but it was actually quite nice to have a a Pro 14 game that was enjoyable. I enjoyed both the uh, the games involving the Welsh sides this weekend.
1: Yeah, a, a bit of a confession for me. I, I cancelled in the original lockdown, which was, I don't know, what, five years ago now. Mm. I um, cancelled my Premier Sports um, membership and, and I, I, I don't know if that's an indictment of the game, but I never went back. So um, the, I, all I see now is the games that S4C get all
0: of. So um, but S4C don't cover the Swedish Speedway.
1: No, all the all the NHL uh, at two, three in the morning when you can't sleep. But still, I I haven't I haven't deemed that enough to ring them up and go back to them. So,
0: uh, right, well there we go. Well, I I tell you what, let's let's start. We'll we'll start then. I guess I'll do a little bit of um, a report on that one. It's a good win for the Ospreys. They're in good nick. They looked very very good uh, for most of the game. They dozed off for a little bit towards the end of the first half and kind of got caught napping. And and Connaught went in with the the lead despite the Ospreys being very very dominant. But they came out and blitzed him at the start of the second half. Didn't panic, and yeah, the only area of concern really was the scrum. And uh, after after they made a few changes, brought on a new front row, it looked brilliant, and they absolutely dominated Connacht in that area. So yeah, really good win. Rhys Webb, two tries, man of the match. The same week he's excluded from uh, from the Welsh setup. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll
1: get to that. Murray Kinsella, the uh, journalist from over, over that way, clipped up one of his passes. One of his passes was so good. He clipped it up as a, as a gif and posted it on Twitter. That, that's that's my only <laughs> bit of the game I've seen. But um, it's a bit ironic that um, he hasn't made the squad uh, for the coming Six Nations. And he's just... Uh, one Well, one of the reasons is his pace. pvac has gone public and said his pace mm. is passing, his service. And then in this clip, which is on Twitter, on Murray Sellers account, he's thrown a pass, which I've never seen the other three. I, well, I can't immediately remember the other three scrum are throwing a pass like that. So it's a bit of a riposte, I think, from Reese Webb.
0: Yeah, it is a riposte. And I think you've got to come out after you've been left out and, and make a bit of a statement. And he's certainly done that with a good, yeah, you know, array of skills, grabbing two tries, sniping, looked, you know, looked... At, bit like the old Webby really um you know there was there was a couple of charge downs in there as well it wasn't all you know it wasn't all golden but he played very well it's it's just very very difficult because on the flip side playing devil's advocate you could say well this is exactly what he should have been doing all along you know and it's more important that Rhys Webb will now maybe get a, a run of uh, a run of four games you know during the uh during the Six Nations or whatever and, and be able to cement a bit of form and, and then get back in the side so you know I, I don't think it's. I don't know. It, it's tricky because like we said, for me, he's still in the best, the best three scrum halves in Wales, but yeah. it's, it's going to be no use having him in that six Nations squad knocking around it as third choice. Um, so it, yeah, it is a tricky one. And like, particularly in the week when the the squad gets announced, you will always spend that time kind of judging, judging PIVAC selections because Kieran Hardy came off the bench and didn't have a good time, got yellow carded towards the end of that game. And yeah. You know it's very very difficult because at the same time it's one game. You know it's one game in the Pro 14, but it's yeah we'll we'll definitely get onto the squad later. But yeah, good um good win for the Ospreys and uh, well like, just just going
1: back to the Ospreys a little bit. I remember asking you a question about because um, they came back from I think twelve points down against Glasgow in the autumn, and I was saying that that just couldn't happen last year. So you couldn't yeah. imagine it. It oh, turns yeah. out it turns out in fairness, uh, Toby Booth and the Ospreys have. They're obviously much improved, but what I didn't realise at the time is also Glasgow were in a massive hole compared to where yeah. they were. So that was the actual, probably the actual reason why they came back from Tarpleystone. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like the thing is, apart from anything else, I mean, Danny Wilson's in charge, you know, but apart from anything else, they've sold their three
0: best players in the last three seasons. Yeah, uh, that, that's
1: got to catch up with you eventually, hasn't it? So, um,
0: yeah, it does. But I think it's you know it's it's all relative because I think if you were to even look at last year's. You know, last year's Glasgow versus last year's Glasgow team versus last year's Ospreys team, and Ospreys wouldn't have wouldn't have got close to them um, in any of those games, really. You know, I, do you know what I mean? If both first teams were out, you'd have to have said that the Ospreys would have would have struggled to have to have beaten a first choice Glasgow team. Um, but yeah, that game in the autumn, I think you're you're right, Glasgow are in a bit of a hole, but also there is definitely a change in mentality, and that again was on was in evidence today because I think if the Osprey's last season had had a good first half and gone in 17 points 5 down they wouldn't have come back after half time and, uh, and and put together a good coherent second half performance i think you know all, all that stuff just comes down to coaching they're well drilled you i don't know what he said at half time whether it was a bollock or it was actually you've played well just go out there and and the right things will happen mm. uh, but whatever you know whatever he's done they're getting good results and and players are um are putting in good performances and I think when you see players who've been out of form come back and play well, George North's playing really well at the moment. He looks like, uh, you know, like he's refound a bit of hunger and confidence. So, he looked really good and, you know, Kieran Williams had another outstanding game. There was one blip that led to a try, but, you know, constantly breaking the line either with a, you know, a little bit of a show and go and, and brushing players off or just battering through them. He's, you know, he's looking more and more like um, like a player who's uh, who's got a very, very bright future ahead of him. So, yeah, I you know, I think those those games are important that you can you can go out and cuz there's so many dead rubbers in the league that actually you know, you can almost afford to lose after these games, but yeah, I was uh, I I was, I was impressed with them. Good. There we go. Right, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's have a quick chat about the uh, the game on Friday night as well. So as you say you're up to speed with that one. Um do you think that Scarlet should have won that game um, given all the possession that they had or is actually that the problem that if they've got all the possession and didn't look very creative with it?
1: Um, I don't know if they should have won the game. I mean, uh,
0: it's probably a compliment to Scarlet's defence at the moment. Mm. Um, I think I think you owe your mate, Mr Hodges, uh, an apology because their defence was outstanding. <laughs> Well, uh,
1: here's, an, here's another thing. A lot of people are saying, um, uh, Dai Young's first game in charge and, uh, you know, and they, they've won and all, but he's literally on a watching brief at the moment. He hasn't done anything yeah. with the team. And I, I know that because I spoke to the academy manager this week. He's literally yeah. just overseeing, not 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 doing it. He hasn't changed the thing, everything. Remember, I was on about last week about, um, uh, what well, 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 they had done to change their shape to to mean that Jared uh, had had such a game last week? Well, I asked nothing. Yeah, they didn't change anything. You just I, I, sometimes it's just the old coaches out the way and the new coaches come in and everything just sharpens up and everyone's you know in sharper focus and. That's what happened. So he's had he's had two good games back to back now, Jared, and straight in the Welsh team. Although I did, I've just been reading. I thought I'd better, do, <laughs> thought I'd better be up to the minute if I was coming on again. And uh, um, turns out Wayne Pivak inquired if he could have Reese Bresland.
0: Yeah, well, this is. I mean, this is. I don't know, right? This is a bit of a strange one. We'll come back to the Cardiff game in a in a sec. Yeah, I keep you know, we'll, getting ahead of myself no, on right. the Welsh squad. It's it's right, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll come <laughs> on to the Welsh squad in a bit. We'll <laughs> to <test, let's laughs> Cardiff for the time being. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Dai young. Obviously, that it's very easy to draw the. Uh, to draw the line and say right well you know he's in charge now but you're right you never you never have a chance to make that much of an impact when you you know when you're when you're coming in and and taking a side over and you know for that game he was he was still halfway down the M4 10 minutes 10 minutes into it so I don't think welcome back that it's
1: a lovely welcome back to Wales getting used to our road infrastructure again (laughs) it's not quite commentary is it
0: I know and in the the middle of lockdown as well Um, but yeah so uh, you know I, I don't think that's right but He'll be he'll be impressed with what he's seen, which I think is the is the good thing. There were lots of good individual performances within there again. I thought, yeah, halfbacks were bright again. Ray Lilo, as good a game as he's had for for a year or two. I, I think he's so important to them, not just not just in attack but defensively. And uh, again, a bit worrying for Wales that you know John Fox has been skinned a few times in these two games against Cardiff.
1: Yeah, it's like a soft. It seems to be like a soft inside shoulder. He's drifting across and gets yeah. cut inside. He's obviously not going to keep falling for that. You know, he's a British Lion after all. But it's, yeah. it's two games running where they just find an easy way out. Is it just cutting on his inside shoulder? So um, I, I can't really explain that one because it's happened, no. it's happened three times over the last two matches. I, I, uh, and, they, and they're, they're the things
0: you'd normally, if it was going into, you know, if you're going into a, a Gatland Edwards camp, you'd be relatively, um relatively, Happy that they're lying those things out when they get, you know, when they get the players for a, for a fortnight before the Six Nations. But obviously, defence has been a has been a massive problem under Pivac. So, you yeah. know, not necessarily sure that's uh, that's going to be that's going to be quite as straightforward. But yeah, you know, he's, he's just still he's still not played a huge amount of rugby, and you know, he's getting back he's getting back up to speed. But
1: he, he was rushed. I don't know if if you covered it on on, on here, but he was rushed back in the autumn. Definitely. Oh, for sure. That's too soon for him. And too soon for the team as well.
0: Yeah, and again, this is this is definitely a recurring theme that we're um, that we're going to come back to. And I tell you what, the other thing that that struck me with the the Cardiff game, I thought that that both sides had kind of to a certain degree had makeshift packs. You know, I think the the Scarlets back row lacked a, a ironically lacked a, a proper open side in there after what we were saying last uh, last week about them having lots of lots of sevens i think they missed that because kennedy i don't think is a you know he's a he's a very good useful squad player but he don't, i don't think he's an out and out fetcher of a seven and I, I think they kind of missed that at the breakdown they went for a very big pack hoping to smash their way over the game line and really they didn't look like doing it you know not just in the backs but they didn't like it look like doing it in the forwards either
1: and conversely uh, james both ended up as a genuine open side i guess ended up as man
0: of the match um there's another there's another two fingers to pvac as well <laughs> you know what and i think he could have been, he could have been man of the match in the the fixture a fortnight ago as well who got it uh i can't remember who got it jared, jared. yeah jared got it and you know obviously very eye-catching but you know jim both had another outstanding game there as well so mm-hmm. um yeah it's I don't know it's, it's a bit strange I'm still not sure he's a complete out and out seven myself actually James Botham I think he's a I think he's a six and a half but with a you know with a Tipperick or a Navidi or someone alongside him I think you know he's he's you know he's, he's got all he's got all the ability to be a you know an, an international an international back row forward I just think yeah it's the chopping and changing we're desperate to talk about this Wales squad aren't we <laughs> everything we keep no no it. no <laughs> Well, what what we could do before we get that far is cover the um,
1: controversy over the Kalamafoni knockout.
0: Well, yeah, we should talk about that. That's a red. That was a red card, wasn't it? I yeah, think it in the, I, I yeah. think in this day and age it is.
1: Well, it, it, if it's zero tolerance over anyone getting knocked out, then I suppose it is. But like, it's, it's not as if Ah uh, Hip's arm came far away from his body. No, like it, 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 you could. First of all, we have to say this has been all over Twitter, and it's like yeah. entrenched whether you think it's red or not. And all this, but what you can't judge this incident on is a fr- is a freeze frame posted on someone's. No, you
0: can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't
1: judge it on slow motion either. Exactly. I mean, I know the the, the 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 TMO will look at it in slow motion, but yeah. if you watch it at full speed, it doesn't look like there's any movement towards California's head other than. Of uh, uh, by by Dimitri's uh, arm, other than Kalamafoni putting his arm on the wrong side and catching an elbow, that's what it looks like at full speed. Yeah, uh, slow it down, then it then you know because our uh, um, hips elbow kind of comes out as a kind of a push away kind of thing, or whether that's you could call that a push away or a or a jab, I don't know. But like what I'm getting at is our hips. In the past, they've had penalties given where. Um, Players are carrying the ball with an elbow out in front of them and their forward yeah. out in front of them. Well, his, his arm is against his body. So, you know, if someone comes flying into you with their head and your arm is along your alongside your body, mm. really, really dodgy ground to get onto. Because then every time anyone gets their head in the wrong place and gets knocked out, that player's off the pitch.
0: Yeah, which, you know, I, I think but I, we've seen that kind of happen. There's stuff that you will watch back from last year's World Cup that would have been red cards. And now we'd look at them and go, well, that's clear cut, easy red cards at the time. And what we were used to seeing beforehand was there's no intent there that, you know, he's just gone for a big hit and he's ridden up. And actually, I think we've got to a position where with most, most high tackles that, you can you can kind of say if you if you hit someone in the shoulder uh, with your shoulder in their head, it's a red card unless there's a massive mitigating factor. And we've just kind of got to that position where that's what the rule is now. Yeah, and but
1: that's that's for the tackler, not the ball carrier. No,
0: that's right, That's yeah. true. And what I'm saying is, I think we're going to get to that position with the ball carrier as well. Again, I, to be honest, I need to I need to see that I need to see the incident again. But at the time, I looked at it and thought he's in trouble here, and it's kind of there's almost like a bit of a second said the second swing or like the, the jab that you said that's the bit that I think is the yeah, um, is is the kind of the concerning bit I'm surprised they didn't they didn't look at it properly given the fact that he was stone cold out Um yeah that's the that's the bit I was you know I was a bit I was a bit surprised by
1: yeah I, I suppose they could have looked at it but I, I, I don't know I, like even when you say they looked at it and decided there was movement from the arm which caused the, the, the main issue from Calamaphoni is is his head is on the wrong side and therefore he traps his own head against his own shoulder. And we're mm. doing a visual display to each other here, which doesn't look across obviously, but because his head's on the wrong side, he's kind of then jammed his head between Dimitri and his own shoulder. Yeah. If that makes any sense. And so like if he, if he if he tackled with his left shoulder instead of his right shoulder, they would, he wouldn't have been knocked out. And then I know you're not, put, you're not supposed to put the onus in that regard, but if you get yourself in a tangle, mm. yeah, at any level of rugby really you get your head in the wrong you're gonna way.
0: get hurt yeah
1: yeah you're gonna, you're gonna damage yourself so and the, I, what makes it more difficult is they're playing at very high speed high intensity so that it, these things will happen but i don't i don't know it would i definitely wouldn't it, 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 say if you persuaded me right <laughs> that he was in the wrong i still wouldn't want it to be read yeah I know,
0: I no, yeah i know what you mean the
1: ultimate the ultimate problem was caused by poor tackle technique yeah not by someone running with their elbow up trying to take someone's head off yeah and so like if it if you've decided there was guilt on the part of Ahip, and I'm sure there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of West <laughs> shouting at me down on their uh, podcast uh, phone or whatever they're listening on but uh, unless you can um, if you could persuade me he wasn't wrong I definitely would I, I would want it to be yellow at the most
0: yeah, look, I get that. I get that completely, and I think that you know, whatever we call them, these rugby collisions that there's certainly no intent or or recklessness in. Um, but he does carry a bit like that. I hit. there's a bit of a swinging, there's a bit of a arm push off thing that I think has a tendency to get him in trouble. But I, look, I know what you mean, and I think ultimately, yeah, it does come down to it does come down to misjudging the tackle technique, um, yeah. and and also, I tell, you what, go on.
1: I tell you what, doesn't help is. Um, uh... Jim Botham, uh, J- James Botham, whatever you want to call him, congratulating him afterwards. Yeah. He goes up and nuts and him, like, go on. <laughs> that did not help, to, you know, from an optics point of view. That was not yeah. a good look. Like, you can't blame Dimitri for that, because all he's done is essentially stand his ground in a, in a tackle, you know. And, uh, but then James Botham goes, go on, my son. <laughs> that didn't help.
0: I mean, in court, that yeah. would look bad. Oh, yeah, particularly while you're doing it over... Uh... Over Calum who's out cold, out for the count at that point in time.
1: Yeah, no, um, that, wasn't, that wasn't clever at all. Though.
0: No, it wasn't. But yeah, do you know, it was, it was a good, interesting, interesting game of rugby. And um, you know, as you say, they're often they're often at a premium in the Pro 14. So yeah, it's good. But I'm going to take I'm going to take this this listener's question now because uh, it obviously ties in um, ties in with what we're just discussing. This one's from Gareth Cripps. Scarlets had 12 internationals in their starting team against the Blues. So, why did they look so blunt in attack? Is it down to coach him?
1: Um, I was kind of a repeat of um, what, what we were saying earlier about they had a lot of possession and didn't manage to make any ground. Uh, so, I'd have to say again, the Blues defense is going well at the moment. Uh, maybe Dan Jones is not enough for him in that regard. He's a steady, kind of uh, kicking type player. Mm. Um, one of the worries is, on top of that, from not just Scala's point of view, is Johnny Williams and uh, Fox are probably going to be the first choice.
0: Well, they are, and they're going to be twelve and thirteen against mm. Ireland for sure. Difference being, they'll have
1: Dan Bigger feeding them the ball and, and not Dan Jones. Not that I'm, you know, dissing Dan
0: Jones, but um, I think it's a game plan thing, isn't it? As much as you know, it's game plan, which ultimately will come down from coaches. But they're obviously trying to play this power game. You know, you can tell by the size that every week they go out with this monstrous great pack and and that's, you know, and that's fine. You know, sometimes it will work. Sometimes it will get you the front football. Um, But I think when it's not working, as it obviously wasn't on Friday night, there needs to be something in there to be able to mix it up. And, you know, it looked for all that possession that they had and all the penalties they kept getting, you had you know, you had a driving, a driving line out, the ball would come out the back and then they might go through a few phases and they're not kind of getting anywhere. And then Dan Jones will kick wide. And that happened like two or three times in, uh, you know, in, in crucial parts of the game. And again, that's not just down to Dan Jones, but it's down to the fact that what is, what's the, who's calling the shots for, for adding a bit of variety in there. And, um, and it just, it just wasn't coming. They didn't, they didn't look like, you know, breaking down, um, breaking down that defense at, at, throughout large chunks of the game. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This this whole kind of just trying to outmuscle muscle the opposition, I think it's, it's a bit odd considering how they've played for a very long time. You know, it's
1: it's yeah. great having
0: that additional power, but I think you've also got, got to be a lot smarter and, and play what's in front of you. It's
1: a good point, actually, because they weren't having that issue under the last coach, were they?
0: No. Well, no.
1: Everything seemed to be flowing together nicely under him. And so... I mean, you could make excuses for, uh, what's his name? Is it Delaney, the new guy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You could make excuses for him because the season is very disjointed and, you know, it's easy to lose that kind of cohesion, but uh, other teams are managing, so you can't really use that too much of an excuse, but they're definitely not not as well drilled or uh, uh, not drilled. Definitely not as cohesive under this guy as they were under Brad.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, and but you know, again, you know, Bradmore didn't have a particularly good first half of his season in charge, and it kind of all started to come together towards the end, and yeah. so you know, I do think you have to have to give, uh, you've got to give kind of coaches time, but mm. they've definitely got they've, they've got the strongest squad out of the Welsh regions, and you would have to say at the moment, certainly in the league, they're underperforming, but then you know they went and had that that big win in um, a big win away at Bath in the in the Heineken Cup.
1: Got
0: a yeah week. Well, yeah. so it's, it's it's hard because that's the thing that's destroyed everyone would forget about the pro14 form if they were if they were you know going on a european cup run but mm. it's
1: not gonna happen. that was one of my favorite games of the season mm. um yeah I, I i somehow amongst everything that's going on like the world falling apart and everything else i'd forgotten about that match i'd that match I, I was raving about it. uh yeah they were they only got to get to a certain percentage of that form, and, and
0: they'd be fine. Yeah, I think I think that's it. I, I don't know the the concern for me if I were a Scarlet. Maybe fan,
1: they just called, Maybe they just call Cardiff at a bad time. Possibly,
0: but yeah, I mean, they played them when Mulvey Hill was still here. Yeah, <laughs> they probably would have been quite comfortable. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Again, I, I, you know, I think this Mulvey Hill thing is is slightly tricky because I do think. Oh yeah, no, I don't totally blame Mulvey at all. No, I, I don't. But it's um, but yeah, I mean, they they've been pretty. They've looked pretty underwhelming in both those games against against Cardiff in you know in in the space of a fortnight. So I think there's there's got to be a, there's got to be a few changes within there. Them I mean they're just to finish on it. They are they're missing Priestland without a doubt. But you've got, you're going to have to start Pat, to uh, Patchell, yeah, Patchell. You
1: well, we on the mind, you
0: are. I'm catching your disease of getting the. Um,
1: I don't know if you can catch um, early onset dementia over Zoom.
0: <laughs> if ever there was a time in the world in the world that you could, it would be right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, they're definitely missing Patchel. and but you've you know, you've got a plan for that. You know, when you're recruiting in the summer, mm. you've got a plan for the fact that he's injury prone. He's been out for a very long period of time. And you've got to have you've got to have a plan B because when so you know like we were saying about Ireland and Sexton over the last 10, 15 years that they've not had anyone in there to um, to kind of help run that game plan for them. Well, it's, it's kind of the same at the Scarlets. You know they 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 don't really have that running ten option unless you're putting Costello in there, and obviously he doesn't feel confident enough doing that at the moment. I mean, did he even get off the bench on Friday? I can't remember now. But I
1: don't um, remember him coming. Um, on no, Angus,
0: Angus coming O'Brien now. came on, didn't he? Oh he yeah. Came, fullback but um, mm-hmm. yeah I think they've, they've got they've, they're going to have to look at uh, having a bit of a plan B because if this Act muscling game doesn't go well then you know then uh, you've got to figure out other ways of uh, of winning games
1: yeah. who did you see they go next then
0: uh, they've got Leinster next week I think it's the only <laughs> pro 14 game uh, it is in Flanelli I think if memory serves me correctly but uh, yeah if, I mean it's uh, you know it could be bloody Leinster under 20s and you wouldn't fancy it would you no yeah. Did,
1: am I right in thinking Sexton limped off in the Munster match yesterday?
0: Don't know. Couldn't tell you. Didn't yeah. see it actually. Um, but yeah, honestly, think they just need to.
1: I, I know he's captain, c- uh, captain of the national team, but mm. I think they just need to move on because he, he's even if he, even if he comes, gets rolled up for the Six Nations and plays brilliantly well and everything else, he's still going to be thirty-seven in the next World Cup. What more? Something,
0: I something ridiculously old. That's with, the thing. That's the thing I found so strange about straight after the World Cup, picking him as captain. It just it didn't make it didn't make any sense to me. They they seem to have had a bit of a problem with captains post um, post O'Connell. Really? Do you remember there was that brief period in time where Rory Best kind of had it by default because the players said you know they had like a players' vote or something, and right. Best got it, and then it was someone else. You know, maybe it's he's lit for a bit, and then Best got it again, and then again, it's just like picking Sexton, age 35, just, you know, or 34 or whatever he was after the World Cup. It just yeah. all seemed a bit strange when you become reliant on one player. You're saying, well, you know, he's, he's the first name on the team sheet. We're going to try and carry on playing in this way. But yeah, mm. it's odd. But yeah, we'll see, um, you know, we'll see what that holds in store during the Six Nations, I guess, providing uh, providing his fit. Right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get back after that. And we're going to talk about uh, the Wales squad because it's, We've been skirting around the issue very, very badly for this first <laughs> half. So uh,
1: we tried to ignore it, as best we could.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've been uh, we've been lying offside in, uh, in a in a pretty offside position for the whole of this first half. But let's take this quick break and then we'll get right to it. Right, the leash is off now, Murph. Time to talk about the uh, the squad that Wayne Pivak has named for the uh, the upcoming Six Nations. I'm just going to give a quick recap for anyone who has missed it, or uh, actually, uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's a recap for my own benefit. Uh, but the squad is as follows. So loose-head props, Rhys Carey, Wynn Jones, Rodri Jones, hookers, Elliot D, Ryan Elias, Ken Owens, uh, tight-head props, Leon Brown, Thomas Francis, and then you've got, uh, I'm sorry, Dylan Lewis in there as well. Then you've got uh, Jake Ball, Adam Beard, Alan Wynne-Jones, Corey Hill, Will Rollins in the second row. And the back rowing options of Dan Lydiate, Josh Navidi, Aaron Wainwright, Toby Falotau, Josh McLeod, Justin Tipperick. And then in the backs, Gareth Davis, Thomas Williams, Kieran Hardy as uh, scrum halves. Dan Bigger, Callum Sheedy, Jared Evans, fly halves. Johnny Williams, Jonathan Davis, Nick Tompkins, Owen Watkin in the centre. George North, Josh Adams, Hallam Amos, Louis Samet, Lee Halfpenny and Liam Williams as the outside backs. Uh, I guess immediate surprises. Who, uh, who who stood out on that as, as someone you weren't expecting to see in there, Murph? Well, even
1: though you told me it was going to happen last week, I was still surprised to see Dan Idiot get picked. Uh, and uh, 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 um, obviously Reese Webb to not be picked. Mm. Um, like the, the Reese Webb... Situation, you could put it like I just covered now. Um, uh, Johnny Saxon, you could put it down to his age because uh, twenty twenty-three is going to be thirty-five or something in that region, and that's all for a scrum half, even a, a really good one. Uh, but then you, even if you made that excuse, then you pick a thirty-three-year-old Dan Lidiot.
0: Yeah, well, and you also say that you're looking at Rhys Priestland as a thirty-four-year-old outside half as well. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: you, you could you could pass off Reese Priestland as just an injury crisis.
0: You know, is, you there, can't... is there an injury crisis at ten? Like, I look at those three tens and wouldn't say that's a crisis. I mean, like you know, it's okay. So Patch Patchell's missing, obviously, um, yeah. and but it, and Scum, but mean Anderson has been out for so long. But these are
1: yeah, but it, it, I think it tells you what he. Well, you can read between
0: the lines and draw conclusions about what he thinks about Jared Evans. I think you can. Um, which is which is interesting because he's like he's massively improved. You would think my my thoughts would be I've got look, if if Dan Bigger was injured I would say yeah okay it's an injury crisis I, well, I need an old head who can manage a game into lots of international experience and is playing well and Priestland fits that bill. But when you've got Bigger fit and then you've got Sheedy you know who's an up and coming you know in form 10 playing in England I think you want you want a jack in the box option as your as your third as your third ten in there. You know, particularly if, if things are going completely tits up and your two scores down, being able to bring him off the bench and just go, go on, just go and play. it doesn't matter about everything else. I just need you to pull something out of the bag. Mm. That to me, you know, should be a more appealing option than, you know, as good as Priestland is. And, you know, he's obviously got the backs firing in the past and yeah you know, he's not played a rugby for a long time you know he had like what, one cap against georgia about 3 years ago and i don't know i, I i'm not quite sure i understand all this clamoring for for Reece Priestland's age 34 um yeah. you know I, I i would get it more if bigger was injured but at the moment i'd be much more excited about the potential jared Evans has
1: yeah i'm a little bit surprised that priestland hasn't gone to japan mm. i I imagine he'd make more money there than coming to the blues
0: uh, this week, uh, it just dawned on me. This week, I think Owen Williams is in Japan, isn't he? He certainly signed over there. Whether he's actually managed to get yeah. out, or not, I don't yeah. know. But um, yeah, he's yeah. He, he, I think he, I, it out,
1: but, uh, quite a few seasons. I thought he'd be a good fit at the Dragons. Uh, Owen Williams. Yeah. Um, he just doesn't seem interested in coming back to Wales. <laughs> Which yeah, I, don't,
0: I don't know quite what all that. You know, there was there was a big clamouring for him, wasn't there, for a while, and then he got in the side in played him at 12 I think I played him at 12 in about 2017 and he was I, I, everyone see, I, Everyone seemed to rave about him and I thought he was solid without being spectacular and I think he's a really good player I like him a lot but um yeah I don't know he's never been you know because he, he left the Scarlets because he wasn't getting enough first team um action where did he go first Leicester yeah, Leicester then Gloucester you know, he could have come back at either of those, and then hasn't come back this time round. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he just doesn't. You know, doesn't feel like he's going to get close to the side, and therefore, you know, it's a short career. Get out there and earn some, earn some big bucks.
1: Yeah, but if he was, I mean, if he was still knocking around the, the, well, I don't know if it would work that way. But if he was still knocking on the Gloucester squad, he could have had a caller.
0: Yeah, I. Don't, you know, I actually, yeah, without getting into the technicalities of it, I don't. Um, could he have? Don't know. Uh, not if he'd assigned an extension, but I mean, either way, like he could have, he could very easily have, um, you know I, know, I don't even, I'm not even sure how old he is now, but he must be pushing 30 anyway. So I'd have thought he's late 20s, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, it's, it's a bit of a strange one. The um, the halfback scenario to go on to Dan Lydia, you know, I know we covered this a little bit last week and tied into the precinct thing. I know, I think there's a lot made about about age, um, but I think what I find quite strange is that. Over the autumn he picked consistently, um, was you know, was looking at Shane Lewis Hughes, although he wasn't in his first choice in his first choice squad, you know, he got plenty of game time there. As we said, or we remembered after the podcast, Aaron Wainwright got a bit of game time there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can't, I, can't die. I I know Aaron's dad, as you know. I know, yeah. Completely forgot completely <laughs> forgot he existed. But hmm. he did play he did play at eight as well, didn't he? He had a he had a game at eight against um against Georgia. So um yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I don't, I, again, the, there must be something that he's not quite sold on what he's seen from Shane Lewis Hughes in order to go back to Lydia, who's playing really, really well. And he had another excellent game today. Um, well, this is the issue. Like, he, 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 even if Dan Lidiot is in his form of his life, it's
1: still questionable. It, 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 like, there's still questionable whether because as we know, everything is on a World Cup cycle now. Hmm. It's still questionable whether you should pick him, even if he's playing. You know, the like a 25 year old Dan Lidiard. So uh, I don't when he was, you know, lion and all the other mm-hmm. things, all the other accolades he's garnered, and uh, uh, it, you know, there's exemptions when it comes to things like that. Like Alan Win Jones is a matter If he's 55, you'd still yeah. you still pick him because he's the leadership and he's the talisman and all the other things. But Dan mm-hmm. Lidiard hasn't been in the team for, hasn't been in the team for three seasons. And then uh, if you think Shane Lewis Hughes is. Too soon for him, international level, and you, you you want him to, you know, mature in the Blues team. That's fine, and then possibly if once you made that decision, then maybe there's not that many fit back uh, blindsides. You know, obviously Ross Moriarty is if he's fit, then Dan Lidiot yeah. doesn't get picked. But like, what what would happen? Say if Ollie Griffiths was fit, actually fit for a change, yeah. and you picked Dan
0: Lidiot? I don't think you would have. To be honest, I think that it's, I, look, I tell you the, the main thing, I'm looking at this whole squad, right? The picture it tells me is that he needs results above everything. And yeah. he does, and he does. He is a guy who's got a break clause in his contract and has had a really bad start as uh, as international coach. And it tells me that, you know, there's no room, you know, while we we're all thinking in terms of World Cup cycles, he's thinking of, I need to get myself to the World Cup and um, he's got, yeah, know, he's got yeah. a big um
1: he's got a big uh and and in his defense it's, it's a smaller squad this time than in the autumn because they're only yep. playing uh four matches spread out over a longer period rather than four in a month or five in a month or whatever they ended up playing so they, you needed a bigger squad in the autumn so there's going to be more youngsters in there but it, you know he seems sort to of ditched a lot like Johan Lloyd is no longer yeah. involved which i don't disagree with i think it probably was too soon with him but it seems to be it like you say, it does
0: seem to be like how, how am I going to get some results in this tournament? The ones uh, on there that stood the ones on there that stood out for me, right? Ken Owens hadn't played a game all season until Friday night. Josh Navidi hadn't played a game all season till Friday night. Alan Wynne Jones hasn't played a game since going off injured in the autumn. Yeah, uh, yeah to a certain degree, Dan Lidiot, because you need, you know, proven international player. Uh, well, I'm sure there was someone else in there who's that stuck out as well. Oh yeah, the fact that he that he had approached Priestland, all of that to me just smacked. Uh, if you had Jake Ball again, you know he, he'd been injured and and kind of come come straight back in. All of this, and we be, know Jake Ball is definitely not going to be at the next World Cup. He's Definitely not going to be the next World Cup. He's not, he's not going to be in the summer. You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, You can't even talk. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. um, you know, all all of which to me is. I just need, I need the best players, regardless of their, you know, regardless of their fitness. I'm just going to have to get them in the squad and, and hope for the best. And that, mm. I don't know, that's obviously a worrying sign. But, you know, if you if you have a two-year, essentially a two-year contract, pressure, you know, that that's going to put the pressure on. And and that can't help with when you are to manage a dressing room.
1: I don't know if the two-year contract is putting on as much pressure as the fact that you're losing and playing awful. Mm. But if he'd been going well up till now, yeah, oh, yeah, the contract would enter his mind because he'd fancy himself to have an extension and all that. Because they look like a lot of them look like they. this is one of my favorite sayings when teams are going, badly A lot of them look like they've never met before. Oof. You know, you've got a really expensive coach, this one and the next one, whatever they get paid, I don't care. The last one, they all make a lot of money, and the players go out on the pitch looking like strangers, which always. Especially, I mean, at any level, I suppose it's bad, but at international level, when you're really high-level players and they they don't look like they've played together before. So that that's why, I, you know, there's it, it, one, one of the weird ones in, uh, in the autumn was when Josh McLeod was picked and then got injured. Mm. And I know, again, it's a, it's a case of who was fit and who was still standing, but he then went to, after Josh McLeod was uh, ruled out, he then went to the second-choice, Sanéfi, open side, who was James Davis, heavy. Yeah. And, like, I think everyone in rugby, even non-Welsh people, are fans of uh, James Davis because of the way he plays. But because he's so small, he needs to be playing at his absolute best form if he's going to play international rugby. Yeah. And he wasn't. He, I don't think he'd even have many games to let you. That's the... And when he played against Scotland, he looked so... I, mean, I thought he looked so... Out, I mean, he was up against someone... He, he was up against Hamish Watson, which is not pleasant for anyone. Did, yeah,
0: that that back row of it was, uh, uh, Richie and Watson playing together, and they're a they're a pair of wild dogs. Those two, they're absolute animals, and
1: yeah, really annoying, annoying for opposing fans. Type
0: yeah, of like real, you know, they got dick faces as well. You know, like they. Just... <laughs> but you can, but you know, again, they're they're players you would absolutely love to have in your you know to have in your team. The, the yeah. other thing as well is yeah, when McLeod got injured, he was replaced by Chain Lewis Hughes in the overall squad, who went straight into number six. Straight into the number six shirt. Yeah, none of it made sense. Lloyd Williams went from not being in the squad to then being on the bench to then starting. You know, all, all of it, none of this made sense. It was like, you know, Kieran Hardy was in that squad as third choice. And then when they had a couple of injury problems, they went to Lloyd who came in. It, it's all very, very confused. And and
1: Yeah, that was that was the one I was going to bring up in relation to um, uh, Reese Webb earlier, is Lloyd Williams finished the tournament as starting line. I yeah. know it was injuries, but
0: still... So, but it's, it's that it's that yeah. thing of how someone can be parachuted from outside the squad straight into match day twenty three. Yeah. That's the thing that I think is really really confusing. And you know, say it a million times: international rugby coaches are judged on. Selection because you get so little time with the players, you know. Like yeah, you said,
1: also you get so much um, uh, analysis of your selections by <laughs> loons like us.
0: Um, yeah, you do, and obviously, I'm I'm fairly certain that you know the the analysis from loons like us is low down on the list of Wayne Pilars. <laughs> least, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, least of his yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time,
1: at the same time, if you'd have had these issues last Six Nations and his first few. Selections fine, but he's he is 12 months in, yeah. And got a look at a lot of people by now.
0: Well, um, I think, yeah. And look, scrum half, scrum half is the one that, that I keep coming back to because he's, I don't know, once he picked like six or seven scrum halves during that time, and none of them, you know, he'd never be, he never picks the same one on the bounce. And yeah. yes, there will be injuries and stuff, but I know, this Six Nations, I think he has got to, he's got to pick one. And, and that, you know, again, it can't help, it can't help bigger at 10 it can't help the pack having the, the constant chopping and changing at such a pivotal position He's he's got oh. to find one he's getting he's got to he's i think from the outset he's got to give someone three games on Is a, it, in the it, row here's
1: a little kicker If you if you wanted to really help reese uh damn bigger at 10 you'd pick reese webb at, at night yeah you probably would who's he who's he ever played more rugby with than reese webb
0: yeah well no one i yeah. think again i you know I don't know. The, the whole thing is just so strange. The, the whole web thing is just so strange. But I don't know why you'd pick him, have him in the squad and floating around as your third choice. You know, this this decision makes more sense to me having him not in the squad than it did having him in there and not really featuring him.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. Do
0: you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think, you know, you know that if like, if he's not playing well enough and they said that in the autumn and gone, look, you need to play some rugby, go mm-hmm. and play that and then let's, let's review this in Six Nations. That would make much more sense to me than it happening now.
1: Well, the other way it could have been is if he was in the squad as third choice, and they just said to him, "Listen, we won't have a look at the other two, but you're the experienced player. And we're just going to keep you on the back burner until such a time, you know." But that's obviously that obviously didn't happen. He was just in the third choice.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's that's the one he's he's absolutely got to get right. He's got to pick, you know, he's got to pick a, a nine and and stick with him now. I think because it's uh, yeah, it's getting um, I don't know. It just it just. And who like, should that nine be though? Uh, for me, I think it's I, I think it's Thomas Williams. Mm, me too. I think, yeah, I think it's quick service is a threat. You know, we've we've offered. You know, if you want to go and try and play the the overall, I know I'm not, obviously I'm not a fan of the, the whole kind of box kicking thing, but that is the kind of the way that a lot of it's played. But I think probably you know Italy would be the only side who don't play that game better than us. All the other sides will be able to control a game better than um, than we will. So you, you've got to try something a bit different. And I think having a nine who offers a threat and some quicker service uh, it can, it can only can only be a good thing, really. So that would be that would be my thought process behind it.
1: Well, they, they, they I mean they're picked in pairs now because the, the the second line always comes on after about yeah. an hour. So so it's just a case of which one is going to you're picking two and which one is going to be the regular starter. So. Yeah. I mean, it's any kick, to me. It's any combination of Thomas and Gareth.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think so. But again, like, I would like to see. I'd like to see one of them get the nod. Yeah, for yeah. a couple of games. For a couple of games, and give get given the opportunity to kind of impose themselves. And again, in a way, both of them kind of, at international level. Oh, this is probably a bit harsh on Gareth Davis, but I don't know. He always looks so dangerous coming off the bench when the game starts to break up. Because, you know, because of his intercepts, because of his ability to find his way to the try line. And and I think Thomas does the same thing because he's quick, he's pacey, he wants to, you know, he wants to he wants the game when it's a bit more broken up. And yeah, it's it's tricky. It is it's a real tricky one. But for me, I, I think Thomas Williams is the most informed of the nines. And I think he's the one who's got the, the most opportunity to uh, to improve. So realistically, I think he's the one who if you were looking at 2023 and saying he's going to be our starting nine, it's probably Thomas Williams, and therefore you need to get him up to the level uh, to being to being international level, and, and I think that starts now. But
1: yeah, I, I think he got I think he got the better of Gareth Davis on Friday
0: night. I think he did. Yeah, and uh,
1: also going back to last week's conversation and the Lions again, if, if depending on what happens to Wales. Like, if it goes well, then we might have we might have two scrum halves on the Lions Tour. Yeah. Uh, and if it goes really badly, it might end up with none, I guess. But at the moment, like, uh, Conor Murray's struggling to keep his place in the Irish side. Yeah. So then, uh, you got my mate, Ali Price, <laughs> <laughs> north of the border. Uh, or Tommy Price, I called him. It I? was Tommy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, who's just like some bloke down the pub I know, Tommy Price. And uh <laughs> You could end up with Ben Youngs as the
0: test starter in the Lions. I said if, this before. I don't think Gatlin Conor Murray
1: is is on his yeah. kind of downward t- trajectory. And honestly,
0: uh, I could I could still see a position where Reese Webbs in that in that in that twenty three. Good point, because you, you know yeah. Gat, Gatlin Gatlin knows him and likes him and trusts him. Um, I don't know what I don't know whether the relationship was soured over the whole Toulon affair or not, mm. but I can't imagine any of that was really Gatlin's Gatlin's thinking. Um, You know, again, I think he might look at him and think, I know, you know, I know what Reece Webb's capable of. I'm going to have him for a six-week tour. I know I can get him up to speed. And look, I bang on about this all the time, but all the players playing their best rugby, Murray and Webb are well ahead of all those others for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Now, whether or not Murray has the ability to come back up and, you know, he's always, you know, his kind of star is in decline. Same could be said for Webb, but, um, you know, their best, you know, Ben Young's is a, I don't know, this, this is really harsh, but has there, will there ever be a more average England player to get 100 caps? I doubt it. <laughs> like, you know, he's neat and tidy. Um, his kicking's good. And he invariably pulls out a blinder against Wales once every two years. But, Me, I, you know, but behind that pack, he should be, you should be bossing the show. Exactly, he, he can be red hot. Like he has moments where he, he looks like he's untouchable sometimes, but
1: then he doesn't. He never sustains that, and he he has he has periods where the team are carrying him. You know what I mean? So um, he, he, I, I'm pretty sure any international quality scrum half had come through in England in the last few years would have pushed him off the side. Yeah, they, they haven't. They haven't produced any. Uh, although, uh, hot topic: Harry Randall's just been picked in their squad, so.
0: Yeah, he has, and again, we, we've covered this quite a lot. I think that he's obviously he's good enough to play for England or Wales. I think he wanted to play for England all along. And yeah, he's
1: English. Yeah. it it's, it's just happened. He lived here for a bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. There's no. Now that I know what I initially, I didn't know all the details of his case, but he he's born in England to English parents, lived here for about less than ten years, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't, I think it's like you know between the ages oh of seven, seven and sixteen or something like that yeah um and yeah you know it's um he probably had welsh scrum half
1: magic dust sprinkled on him some point in his i mean while he was here
0: there is no doubt that's where he gets the skill
1: from (laughs) yeah absolutely i mean they just don't produce any they don't even like some of their great they would consider great scrum ass like a a dowie or dowie morris as they call him over there and um uh, Matt Dawson. Matt Dawson's. Uh, I've said this hundreds of times, but Matt Dawson's whole Lions career is is reliant on Rob Howley's dodgy shoulder. Yeah, and he wouldn't have played any Lions tests. Um,
0: yeah, well, yeah. And, and
1: so, you know, they, they, it's just a position they don't they don't churn out. They, whereas they do churn out players in other positions. You know, they just don't seem to churn out Kramars, and maybe it was Harry Randall's very very brief time. I'm not. I don't know how brief he was. In, in Wales, as well, he's um, just picked up the uh, magic.
0: He would have played. He would have played a lot of rugby. You know, a lot of his rugby education would have would have started in Wales. So yeah, look, that's definitely the case. That's that's definitely what there,
1: <laughs> yeah. it? you can you can. We can just put that to bed.
0: This is all. This is all leading to a uh, to a Ben Youngs hat trick against Wales in the Six Nations, now, isn't it? It, it I mean, definitely is. I and mean, Harry
1: Randall coming off the bench. And Harry that.
0: Randall coming off the bench and grabbing two. Yeah, it, it feels like it's heading that way. Right, let's take a couple of listeners' questions to finish. Then Murph, because I know you've got a uh, you've got an evening of um, an evening of NFL to uh, to enjoy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to watch the, the Swedish speedway on uh, on Premier Sports. Uh, so this one is from the Dragon Thistle rugby pod, which, again, you might want to tap them up for a bit of work as well, Murph, while, you, while you're moving around. Um, had a lot of criticism, uh, but when you see the play coming from the regions over Christmas, um, yeah, you can understand where some of the poor play comes from. How does he change this for, for the Six Nations? Um, yeah.
1: I'm not, sure, I'm not sure the premise of the questions are, are they blaming the standard yeah. regional play for the fact that pivac can't coach the wells team yes right okay uh yeah well i mean the the derbies have always like under gatland uh, uh, and uh before before him um Gallif Jenkins and before him sean uh, sean hansen steve hansen all all the uh, derby games have predominantly been shite anyway yeah they just a load, it's just like a load of i don't know individual battles and the whole game doesn't really ever get going or very rarely does i mean i think one of them might have been i can't remember now it's, it seems it's like 3 weeks ago it seems like a long time ago but one of them out of the derbies might have been quite a good game but normally it's lashing down you know and the the, the most exciting thing is that everyone in the crowd is drunk yeah you know it's it's never been about the quality of the match and that didn't stop uh, gatlin from transferring a decent side onto the pitch at national, international level. So um, obviously, there's, there's issues across the whole of the regions with um, being able to compete in terms of salary budgets and what have you, but that's that's nothing new either. So, you know, I mean, the, the, probably the best counter argument to that question is um, clearly beating Bath away, yeah. well, a couple of weeks ago, back in December, wasn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've said this a couple of times. I've, uh, I can't remember if it was last week I said it with you, but I always use it as a, um, as a bit of a, a, horse racing analogy because you know you, sometimes when you're watching the regional rugby, you're looking for the winner of the Gold Cup on a Tuesday, <laughs> on a Tuesday at Foss Lass, right? And it's, um, and yeah. that's a very, that's a very heavy going, <laughs> heavy going. Yeah, you know. And that's not always that's not always the case, really. The places you want to be looking for uh, for those for those pedigree players is at Heineken Cup level, um, and, and ideally in the latter stages of those. So it, it is very very tricky. But yeah, like you say, what Gatland was always able to do was turn it into a turn it into a pretty formidable squad. So yeah, you know that's 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 the challenge of being Wales coach is you've got to be able to you've got to be able to take. I th- I think the players are out there. Like you can't tell me that looking at those squads that that, that squad that is. It's a side that shouldn't be competing with uh, with the other Six Nations squads. It's as you said on last week's show. It's basically the same squad that went to the that was within a whisker of getting to the World Cup final.
1: Yeah, well, no one's retired since the World Cup. We've had it. I mean, we went into the you we went into the tournament, tournament minus Ellis Jenkins and Gareth Anticum, But everyone who was at the World Cup is still available now.
0: about in you know like Rhys patchup being injured or whatever. Well, and Toby's Anto, Anto, back. Sorry, and Toby's back. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, uh, so there's no, you know, it's uh, something that came up before when we were talking about, you know, like the uh, the fourth autumn international when Gatland would make uh, twenty three changes to the match day squad, and then we would play to, always struggle to beat someone like Georgia or you know whatever, yeah. and quite often people would blame that on a lack of depth in the. Welsh rugby and all this but even if you haven't got the quality of player on the pitch and I'm going to say but this is not just repeat myself this is something I said about well, five minutes ago there's no excuse for being complete strangers on the pitch yeah. when you're professionals coached by a highly paid professional to go on the pitch not knowing what the fucking hell you're doing or who the guy next to you is that is not acceptable even if you're not uh the best you know even if you're not going to go on the british lot to be a british line or whatever, whatever else you, you, you might achieve you still need to be able to work as a team with other players on the pitch that that, that is you know it, whether you can actually beat five men and score a try is a different matter to actually knowing what the hell you're doing in my opinion
0: yeah no look, i think you're absolutely right you hit the nail on the head there let's um Let's finish on this one, uh, which is, I I don't know if you've seen this um, this week, Murph, but David Buttress made a few comments on a uh, a football podcast of all things, a Newport County uh, podcast about uh, having three three teams playing at Rodney Parade and how it doesn't work and seemed to essentially suggest that the reason it doesn't work is because of Newport RFC, um, which is an interesting one because... They haven't played a game there for a year, um, and the pitch is knackered. But I, I think, yeah, this this strange acrimonious relationship with between Newport RFC and the Dragons, and in specifically with regards to Rodney Parade, is uh, is something that's that's going to need to be addressed at some point. As is the pitch, right? I think again, I don't know if you've seen this. If you've seen this article that's doing the rounds, but. Um, Yeah, he's kind of gone on another, gone on a a football podcast and said that it's not sustainable having three teams playing there as it is.
1: I thought somehow in my mind, I I thought they relayed.
0: They did. It was about three years ago that it got um, that it was amazing, and it looked amazing for ages. Um, Now there's hardly any
1: hardly any sport on it. Now it looks terrible.
0: Yeah, Um, (laughs) I mean, this is what happens when you have a grass pitch next to the Usk um and then you've had you know i suppose obviously cardiff have been playing a few games there as well so you're having a few games of pro rugby there um, yeah yeah that would um, happen but you know this obviously it's not as many as as would have been happening if if the black numbers have been playing um but i mean this is something they just got to sort out They've, they've got to find a position for me right they they need to they need to sell the club uh sorry but you know to get a private investor to buy the club back from the union to shut all this uh, all this whinging, weird hybrid situation you can't have one of the regions owned by the union and the rest owned by uh, owned privately it just doesn't it, it doesn't work you you either need all in or one and it's it, you are yeah. ne- not going to have the uh, the union owning all, all of those regions at the moment um so i think realistically they need to, they need to get back to that situation where they're controlling their own destiny um secondly if you do that you then need a pitch that is capable of having all three teams on there. You know, I think the county arrangement works financially for them because they're they're getting regular revenue coming in off it. Um, But then you need a pitch that's good enough to do it. I I don't fully understand the financial situation with what the the Black and Ambers pay. Butchers has said a few times that they pay a pittance in order to to get access to that. But at the same time, you know, all the members of those clubs voted in favour of the of the union taking over in order for the in order for the dragons to survive um but i think we'd you know we're just reached a stage where we, we've got to to kind of draw a line in the sand of this now first thing they've got to do as soon as the and hopefully that sand isn't on the pitch but um the first thing they've got to do when they you know when they're uh yeah when if and when private investment comes in is get a pitch that's good enough um I, you know and if that's the if that's the situation with newport rfc that they they get it at a, you know a very um, preferable rate, and that's the thank you for for essentially allowing the the dragons to survive. Then fine, but you've got to move on um, because it is now a position where you know this whole situation in Wales where you've got amateur clubs and professional rugby it, it doesn't work. Like it's not it, the 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 amateur clubs are not realistically going to provide players for professional rugby. Not by any great number, yet at the same time there is a political arrangement with it. So I, I don't know. I think we're at the situation where you've just got to find um, you've got to find a solution to this whole relationship between the historic amateur clubs and the you know the the professional regions. At the moment, this weird hybrid scenario is it just it just all feels wrong. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, the best solution if you've got three teams playing on a pitch, the best solution is a plastic surface. Oh. 4G, or whatever. I don't know if that's allowed for football, though. Uh,
0: I don't know, but certainly those those um, those hybrid pitches that I, they've got. When I say hybrid, <laughs> now I'm referring to the hybrid pitch. But certainly yeah. they seem they seem a lot more robust, don't they? The ones that yeah. there's a they,
1: they kind of use. I, I, I'm, this is something where I'm I'm out of my field here because I'm not exactly sure. Because they they seem to use two different types of uh, fake pitches or 4G pitches, mm. a, a, a longer kind of blade of fake grass for for rugby union than they do for um, soccer. I know, I, I my local, well, the club where I grew up, Canton i C, I've got a, a, a 4G pitch laid down for them for nothing. I think it was by Cardiff City, mm. but it's really short. <laughs> really short. Um, uh, uh blades of plastic grass or whatever the hell it's called the 4g stuff because they wanted it for soccer yeah and then, uh, part of the deal was that canton would get to use it as their first team pitch or whatever whatever team plays on it and um, but when i've watched them play because i know a couple of boys who play they, they, they all got no skin left on their knees and what have you because they're playing on this really it's, it's basically like i don't know if you ever did it when you were a kid trying to play rugby on Ash, old-fashioned astral yeah, yeah, yeah. That they play still play hockey on
0: like oh, that sand, that sand-based stuff.
1: Yeah, well, they 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 have to. They have big um, water hoses. they uh, not mm-hmm. hoses. Sprinkler systems all over it before the game to get the hockey ball to skim off properly, and then it's okay to fall on. Yeah. But if you play, we just play five-a-side on it, and that, that that would take a few layers of skin off. And the, this stuff that Canton RFC uses is no different. So, I, I, what I'm getting at is, would if they put a pitch in for rugby so that you could play? The Dragons and Newport RFC as much as they wanted, would that still be suitable for Newport County? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's a that's a really good point. But yeah, I mean, look, the long and the short of it, and I'm not just talking about the the blades of grass, is that you've <laughs> got yeah, you've got you've got to get a solution now. And obviously that you know they it's there is there is an acrimonious relationship there, or it seem it seems to be, and that's got that's got to be worked on. And I do think that you know I do think that. RFC deserve a bit of a favour for for allowing the dragons to carry on um mm. and that needs that needs to be addressed but you know if they you can't carry on with a pitch like as it is it's just a, it's just a shambles for all of the for all of the teams so um yeah i don't know i, I hope that, that that is addressed and the the whole um the whole relationship between the the amateur clubs and the and the professional regions because Really, if you're you know if you're managing a professional region, you've got to be you've got to be primarily concerned with that. Um, but I don't know; it just it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to be a particularly uh, a particularly good setup that they've got that they've got there at the moment. The pitch isn't good enough, and there's clearly there's clearly seems to be a bit of needle between um, between the region and the club.
1: Yeah, I think there I, I might only be rumours at this stage, but I think there's changes afoot with um, Cardiff as well. I think the Blues are going to take over the running of the Cardiff RFC team.
0: Yeah, and I, there was a lot of rumours a couple of months ago that they were going to revert the name of the Blues back to Cardiff. Um, and, you know, the, you know, this isn't one to be wrapping up the podcast with. <laughs> the You know, again, we're in a situation where these are the four sides that we've got, you know, I. And and you've you've just got to figure out a future that works for them, um, and you know I of course I'm, I'm I miss the days where you had proper derbies between Newport and Cardiff, and you know and and uh, and, and that was at the, t- the top level of of Welsh rugby, but it didn't work for the international side, um, and we've ended up with regions which are they regions are they not I'm not entirely sure whether they are or not, but realistically what you mean regions or super clubs? Yeah, I think they're well. They are super clubs, aren't they? Really? Um, but you've got to, you know, you've kind of got to make it work. And and there's no, I mean, you know, there's no point kind of going right. Well, you know, Cardiff need to embrace Pontypridd a lot more, or whatever. It's just it's not going to happen because from a playing perspective, they are half that Cardiff side are from Pontypridd or the surrounding areas. Or Ronda. Or Ronda, yeah. So you know, it's and whether that's right or wrong there's a commercial reality to it and that's
1: just yeah. a massive tin of as you're opening at the end of the podcast i know yeah well there's it people as, as you know as well as i do there's people on twitter who are still not happy with the regional setup and uh they've been in that same mindset since 2003 when we switched I
0: and mean, yeah and i'm not sure I'm not, I'm not sure i am you know it was never it was never a clean break no. it was never a clean break and you know, that's, I mean, the, that's the problem. I don't know what
1: else would, could have happened. I think the argument of a lot of those people who are still uh, banging yeah. that drum, is, their main issue is they haven't got a team in the Valleys. That's their yeah. main issue. Yeah. Which I, I, I don't disagree with their point, but they, they someone, you have to realise that we couldn't go on as we were. Yeah. And this messy solution was the only solution we had.
0: Yeah. And we're 20 years down the line now. So do you try and do it again where you go, right, okay. Yeah, I'm, I mean,
1: anyone... I'm, Anyone playing rugby now? Let's uh, uh, say, uh, you know, Lewis uh, Shoes or anyone oh, coming yeah, through. Yeah, exactly. Can't remember. I yeah. can't remember the old days anyway.
0: No, exactly, and that's the, and that's the and that's the that's the absolute reality of it. I think, and I'd um, like to say that's not right, um, but you've got to find a way that this. You've got to find a way that this works now, because mm-hmm. is you know there was some chat between David Buttress and someone else on Twitter this week. About potentially rebranding again, I was like, "Well, what's the point? You know, what is what is the point? Are you are you ever going to fully be able to fully appease Newport fans who didn't get on board? No, I don't think you will, unless you call the club Newport. And again, you know, is that going to do? Is that going to do anything for uh, you know for Ebbsfleet vale fans and Ponty and uh, Pontypool fans who did embrace it? Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, you've. All of this would go away if they were good sides, right? If the Dragons were getting to the Heineken Cup semi-final, no-one would bloody care. Well, not no-one, but a lot of people wouldn't care. And a lot of people who haven't well, gone it, to Rodney Prade in a long time probably would. They would be drowned out by the people <laughs> celebrating. Yeah. I anyway. uh, yeah. well, no, exactly. And that's it. But it, it, uh, The main issue uh, for me is that people are not as
1: into rugby in Wales as, people, as the outside world thinks. So they into international rugby. Yeah. But when it comes to actually... You know, going out on a Friday night or whatever to watch a game in the in the rain or or, or, or any weather, adverse weather conditions. There's not that many people who actually want no. to go And
0: maybe, the, and maybe this is why. Maybe this is why because the the club setup, you know, the the regional setup was never was never fit for purpose in terms of providing a flourishing club game. It doesn't help that you play in a league against Italian and South African sides. Um, so you know, there's there's loads wrong with it. But I, I think that the harsh reality is you need to find a way to make these things work. And if, again, like I say, if if Dragons or or Cardiff were better and people were, you know, and they were reaching and reaching European, you know, when, when Cardiff were really good at the Die Young first time round, like you say, those voices kind of drowned out, were, were drowned out. But, um, yeah, I, it's, a re- it's a really, really tricky one and we haven't got time to do it now. But... it
1: the same goes to the Ospreys. When the Ospreys are the Galacticos, no yeah. one was complaining. No one was complaining. No
0: no exactly and i think look, that's the that's the that's the the harsh harsh reality of it but i'm i dare say we will be revisiting this at some point again soon but um yeah next week uh, we'll probably start to turn our attention towards the uh towards the six nations we have a six nations preview issue uh, we'll talk
1: about the squad again
0: we'll talk about the squad again <laughs> yeah which we clearly enjoy doing um, but yeah a big thanks murph for coming on again um Welcome. always good always good to have you on board i'm sure we'll uh We'll chat again during during the Six Nations. Uh, and the thanks, as always, to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to stock up uh, on your coffee, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk But right now, thanks for listening. We'll be back to chat rugby with you very very soon.